Hello and welcome to Upstage the Podcast, your regular dose of theatre news and reviews. I'm Rachel. And I'm Abby. This week we have some quite exciting theatre news, I think. And then, as it is nearly Valentine's Day, we are going to do one of our deep dives into a musical and we've decided to pick that classic depressing love story, The Last Five Years. So let's start with theatre news. So the first bit of news is that Fiddler on the Roof is transferring to the West End. It'll be opening at Playhouse Theatre on March 21st, which obviously we're very excited about because if you listen to last episode, you know, we really, really like this at the Menier Chocolate Factory. So yeah, this is great news. You can now get tickets. Yep. So it's booking until June 15th. So that gives people a good few months. It does. And I read somewhere that they're going to like transform the inside of the playhouse to make it sort of immersive. Like it wasn't many with the kind of houses and the the well they're gonna kind of like really kind of junglish in a way i, I also think the playhouse think, is a good size for it as well yes i also think i read that and nyman and judy kuhn are confirmed but i hope they all get a transfer because yeah. they're all very good i i would say it'd just be if they're contracted for something else already would yeah. be my instinct on that interesting so yeah that's very exciting we thought this would happen but you never know until it's confirmed you do never know. very very good i'm excited to see them all get to do it kind of a bit bigger mm-hmm and Nyman can like, he is very, very good, but he like had to be sort of contained because of the space that they were in and he gets to just kind of really sell like if I were a rich man, for example. Very excited. Might try and go and see it again because I enjoyed it. Yes. Yes. Same. The next piece of news is that there is going to be a brand new Max Martin musical called And Juliet, which is the story of... Romeo and Juliet, but it's after Romeo has died and as if Juliet doesn't die. Featuring music by Max Martin, who has written some massive tunes <laughs> from the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. He has written for Britney Spears, Ariana Grande, Pink, Kelly Clarkson, Westlife, Celine Dion, the Veronicas, who I really actually like, Usher, Avril Lavigne, Jesse J, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift... I could go on and on. He's written for basically all of the massive artists you can think of from the last sort of 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And a selection of his songs are going to be in this musical, including definitely Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. There is a version of Miriam Tika Lee, who is going to start as Juliet in this. There's a version of her singing Baby One More Time on the website, which we've just listened to. And I found it immensely enjoyable. I think that they're going to have a hard job possibly marketing it around Max Martin, which is a name that most people haven't heard of. Yeah. I mean, they they will know the music, but yeah. they... I mean, yeah, I was going to say... I had never heard of Max Martin. Before. I knew who Max Martin Until was. Until I kept hearing people say the Max Martin musical, I'd never heard of it. I knew who he was, but that's because I've got my finger on the pulse. I, I, my finger is so <laughs> off the pulse. I just do not give a shit about um, who writes anything. But yeah, I think they'll have to sell it with like his songs. Yeah. Which is why I think it's a smart idea to have the version of Britney on the yeah. website. Because... Yeah, I agree. In terms of the... It sounds great. She sounds great. She sounds great, but I just think... I'm not a massive fan of jukebox musicals as it is, but I think there's going to be a deeper problem because the songs are so recent and so poppy. I just think there'll be... It will take people out of the story a little bit every time a song starts, which for some people is what they're after, and that's why jukebox musicals are so popular. But I just worry... I don't know, that it'll be a bit Knights of the Rose-ish... I just felt like because Knights of the Rose picked songs from loads of different artists and you didn't know what was coming next, 
there were definite moments where an intro to a song would start. It was a very famous song and there'd be a sort of gasp and giggle in the audience because people were like, oh my God, it's Imran K. Iglesias. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I can great. definitely see that But I think that will kind of, and I'm just, I, oh, I don't know. I don't, I would love to be prove, prove, proven, proved proven, wrong. Proven, proved. You would love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong about it. I'd love for it to be a great show. Doesn't happen often um, though, does it? I'm, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I think we should say that the plot is apparently it follows Juliet as she travels to Paris with her best friends Bestie. to recover from the death of Romeo. Girls and trip! That bit makes me like, oh god, why? Like, why does she have to go on a girls trip to Paris? Yeah. Like, I, I don't of, understand. I kind of think it would be better if it was just some random people travelling to Paris. Even, I think, if it were a modern yes. day group of young women, it would, the music jar- taking you out and jarring would be slightly less It is going to feel very jukeboxy, isn't it? Yeah, they're going to be there. And I think it's probably slightly, and I'm sure it's not totally, but I bet some of it is kind of hopping on this Hamilton bandwagon of their picturing these, and, you know, Miriam Teakley has just come out of Hamilton, the West End, but they're picturing all these women in sort of, big like elizabethan dresses not yeah. even venetian old venetian dresses um, but will it even be set like in or is it going to be like a modern day retelling because like i kind of feel like a modern day retelling would be better <sighs> but it just i think a modern day romeo and juliet's really tricky really want to keep it accurate because and just also a 13 really... or 14 year old just can't... well there's that but there's also that mm. awkward thing where i can't think off the top of my head what it is but like when they try and like update like Shakespeare's plays and make them current and then it's just like they put like loads of like slang in like youth slang from like now and I'm like this is just really awkward do you know what I mean at least it probably won't be that because it will at least be a new book completely which is written by effortless segue Mm. um David West Reed who has written many a Broadway play and also is writer and executive producer of Schitt's Creek which the kids love and I've never watched a lot of um, my parents love Oh, mm. see, they're down with the kids. <laughs> the kids, like Rachel's parents, <laughs> love it. Also, Luke Shepard is directing, who directed it in The Heights in the UK, which was a great production. So yeah. that gives me a little bit of confidence. This might be the best thing to hit the West End in years. Who knows? Well, it will be hitting the West End in November. It's going to run at the Manchester Opera House from the 10th of September to the 12th of October and then transfer to the Shaftesbury Theatre where Motown is currently running mm-hmm. after refurbishment from the 2nd of November. So if you're in the Northwest and you want to see this before it hits the West End, you can do that. Why don't you give that a go? Might as well. Might as well. The tickets will be cheaper. And the next bit of news is another new show that will be hitting London-ish later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a musical adaptation of David Williams's book, The Boy in the Dress, which um, RC are producing and will be opening in November. So same time, basically, yeah. as Anne Juliet on the 8th of November at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre in Stratford-upon-Avon. And this also has a big name providing music, or two big names. Mm-hmm. It'll have songs from Robbie Williams and Guy Chambers, but these will be original songs written specifically for this story which doesn't necessarily make them better songs 
we'll hopefully make we'll make them less jarring. It's not like True. it's gonna suddenly like be Millennium True. or Angel or <laughs> Oh my god, you should put Millennium in the show. <laughs> Millennium is a great song. It is a great song. So it's Angel. I don't know how much I don't want this to sound harsh and this is something I could research, but it's that's not who I am. I don't know how much he wrote his own stuff. See, I think not much. But Guy Chambers, I think, wrote some of wrote his stuff. Wrote with him. Yes. So they make sense for them to be together. So this will, I'm assuming that it will sound quite Robbie Williams-y. And um, the David Williams book obviously was a bit too late for us in terms of being a children's book that was written when we were very much adults. Mm. People love it. And it's obviously a story of inclusion and good things. Um the artwork does have a football, which is giving me slight um, Ben and Light Beckham. I also think it, it's very much like the Ben and Light Beckham poster because she's in that pose pretty much, and she's Basically, in like the sari. It's Ben and Light Beckham. <laughs> it's Ben and Light Beckham, but with a boy but playing a boy. football, <laughs> but wearing a dress. Yeah, it just shows our shallow appreciation of what the book's probably <laughs> yeah. about, really, doesn't it? I think the RSC do good things. Obviously, yeah, I mean, Matilda, Matilda is a big um, came from RSC the RSC. Thing. I'm hoping that this will be Matilda-esque. Boy in the Dress will be at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre in Stratford-upon-Avon from the 8th of November this year till the 8th of March next year. So quite a decent run. It's a fun place, Stratford. There's loads of like shops named after Shakespeare characters. It's fun. That's nice. Pop down there. Why don't you? Have a day trip. So the final piece of news is that Netflix is producing a specially created version of the Broadway play American Sun, which will be streaming worldwide. So this is just closed at the Booth Theatre in New York. It was starring Stephen Pasquale, Kerry Washington, Jeremy Jordan. And so they'll be using that same cast. And from what I, I've kind of not got a good vision of what this is, even though I've read about it. I think it's going to be kind of mostly, sta- like not filmed kind of static stage Enus, but not fully produced as a show so it'll still be very much like a play but just a bit more dynamic for the yes, screen that's what i understand yeah so i just think this is really exciting in that it's kind of netflix trying to get theater to a wider audience and hopefully it'll mean that it's something if it does well that they might go down as a sort of an avenue and we've talked in the past about things like the fact that the original cast of hamilton um was filmed and that there's all these things that are out there and there are Um, streaming services like Broadway HD and things that stream them but it's obviously a big cost whereas if someone like Netflix which has such a broad reach could pick some of these things up or work like this to produce plays but on a sort of semi TV-ified way that's a word then I just think this is a very exciting step and I hope that it continues so I'm excited to see this also because it's Jeremy Jordan I'm sure you are and Kerry Washington, like I is, and, and Stephen Pasquale, and Stephen Pasquale yeah. like generally excellent cast, got mixed reviews, I think. But you know, now we can we'll still for watch ourselves. it. We'll still watch it. Yeah, something else that got mixed things. reviews. <laughs> this isn't really news; it's more of a yeah, a discussion point of discussion because Rent Live happened on the twenty seventh of January. I think it was twenty seventh. It was. Um, so a couple of weeks ago now, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet because it's only been a couple of days as we're recording this. It's not available anywhere And it's okay. not available. Clips of it are available clips on are Twitter. Available. Um, very annoying clips. The like main, literally clipped in the middle of a song. The main point about Rent Live... Is that it wasn't live. Is that it wasn't live because Brennan, Brennan Hunt, who played Roger... Uh, broke, broke his ankle, ankle during the dress rehearsal on the Saturday. So what Fox what decided to do is, for some reason, just 
broadcast the rehearsal when everybody's obviously trying to protect their voice for the actual night and you know it's like at half energy and at the same time they had the cast and brennan hunt in a wheelchair like do a concert for the live audience who were there and i just wish we got to see that they have released a lot of clips of that as well. they have released a lot of clips what of i them. will say so i've watched quite a few clips i watched pretty much all the clips that fox released except for some songs that i frankly just didn't want to see like light my fucking candle i don't give a shit but <laughs> i'm not red's biggest fan no i um, know but i do think i think that the rehearsal was probably them at full end because i imagine that they're told before they do the rehearsal if there's a tech problem if whatever happens for a scene this will be what we cut to yeah. so it felt like the performance they were giving it their rule but i also felt like the performance was a little bit too not performing i don't know like not authentic yeah there was a lot of set and a lot kind of going on and it was fine but i just i don't think that it necessarily worked i think the concert was a lot better and i kind of wish also because it's rent live they should have made an effort to make it live Mm. but also just that's kind of the spirit of rent rent's meant to be a bit more stripped back i think yeah sometimes there was a bit too much kind of stage not staging yeah. but a it's bit too to be much like set gritty and, and stuff going on real yeah um, and i just think i saw a lot of people comparing it to obviously when it opened um and jonathan larson died yeah. they, obviously this obviously this is different is brennan, brennan who was Hunt. very good he was very good i will say can't clearly walk but very good <laughs> at singing when um rent opened jonathan larson died the night before opening night and they didn't do the full show they kind of sat around and sang the songs around like the table from the vivo m and that is sort of the spirit of yeah. rent and so i just think that they should have like well a why don't they have understudies like absolutely oh, ridiculous one night yeah but okay, you could be ill you could have one. food poisoning you could anything could happen between then and rehearsal yeah, between rehearsal and pay someone for all rehearsals <sighs> they for would but they could have like a swing who could do like Ugh, a couple know. of characters i feel like they should have precautions i think they should have just aired the concert and or I they think should it just air the concert whoever did the staging but that's yeah. life, isn't it? Um, I think, what will I say that's good? Tanash was incredible as Mimi. She was really, really good. Was Vanessa Hudgens good? I she, read that she was good. Vanessa Hudgens, I think, was fine. I still think, and I thought this when she was Mimi at the Hollywood Bowl, like yeah. five, ten years ago. Ages ago, yeah. Um, it was when she was still with Zac Efron. It was a while oh, ago. Yeah. I think her voice, although she performed very well, and I thought her Over the Moon, is that what that song's mm-hmm. called? That was one of the least annoying performances I've seen of that song. <laughs> but I think her voice is just a bit too sweet it is for very it. So pure. even though she's very good, it's just a bit like, oh, just a bit nice. Yeah. I really love Jordan Fisher and I thought he was a very good Mark. And it's nice to have a non-white Mark because then maybe he's slightly less whiny, but still just really fucking whiny. Mm. And God, aren't they annoying characters. Brandon Victor Dixon. I wasn't a massive fan. Were you not? I did not like... Everyone was saying that the I'll Cover You reprise was like the best performance of the night. Yeah. And I didn't find it to be because... Now, I listened to the Jesse R. Martin version, the original cast recording, so much that I, I still hear that. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I've seen seen Jesse R. Martin perform it live in, in videos and stuff, and he doesn't do it quite like the recording. Mm. We, when we saw Rent live, not when we saw Rent in a different theatre live. Yes. I was completely like completely taken in by it so it's yeah. not that i expected it to sound exactly like that but i felt like he went too off the tune mm, i hate when and it got a that. bit lost and i felt that with quite a few bits that i watched like the take me or leave me i felt was a little bit 
all over the place. Yeah. I could have left it. Mm. I also thought there were moments when they were interacting with the audience too much and I found that quite annoying. Like they were doing like the sort of um, pop star like hand slapping slapping as they're running by. And I'm like, this is... Like I don't it's, like it. It's a it. show, though. There's still got to be. There's got to be some there's sort be, of yeah. Stop breaking that fourth wall. I I I love Jordan Fisher. I just apparently I what just you own was very good. I know you probably hate that because it's Mark, but I love that song. I don't think I watched it. What we're saying here is I haven't watched it. Abby doesn't really like Rent, so we can't really Will give I you a full. Good. That was nice. They went all around. The... Yes, that was very I heard, good. I heard good things about that. Um, I just, I just don't know that it worked but i'm glad it was on tv for a big audience yeah it did very if, well among the youth and that's good because it's good that the young people learn about things Eight. but hopefully um they focus on the collins and angel storyline and not at all on mark and roger those whiny little twats rent <laughs> i just wish I've honestly never known they... anyone hate anything as much as you hate mark from rent <laughs> And Roger. If they could just get jobs, they're Roger's like, oh, dying. Get Roger him, a break. He's not dying. He's ill. He will he's die. Not dying. We're all gonna fucking die. Yeah, no, okay. But... Yeah. Maybe Mark's even worse. It's like, oh, Mark's let me worse. These dying people and these homeless people. Yeah. And oh god, I've got nothing to, work to fill. A job. I have to go to a job, and I don't want to because they're like making me go to work every day, and I don't think I should have to pay rent because <laughs> enjoying I'm this Mark voice that you put on it. I hate my parents, and I'm never gonna call them, even though they love me. <laughs> Ugh. I'm white. He's recently been dumped. He is going through some stuff. All of his friends are ill. I don't It's a hard life. He's very poor. Maybe if he got a job, he wouldn't be poor. He does get a job and everyone's like, oh, you're selling out, Mark. Why are you doing this, Mark? He says he's selling out. No one else says that to him. No one else says to him you're selling out. They think Mark's got a job. Thank fuck. Finally, Collins has a job. Angel has a job. Angel doesn't have a job. Angel has a job. Busking is a job. It's a angel makes money. It's a hobby. Angel makes money. Angel makes money. Does how does Roger make money? It doesn't, it doesn't fucking make money. They don't make money. They live in a giant loft in New York. How does and they complain. Oh, Mimi's a dancer, obviously. Mimi's a dancer. She makes money. Maureen. Maureen doesn't. Joanne, lawyer, sensible, got a job. These people of color, they have to work. The white people wander around complaining. Benny is, has a job. You know is, what? That is Benny. Damning. Seen as the bad guy. Benny's not the bad guy. But he's just Benny earning just wants to create an honest living. And he We've just wants people to pay here. their rent. Pay your rent, kids. Get a job. Pay your rent. <laughs> We've gone off track. Basically, <gasps> check out some clips from Rent Live. I don't know if you'll be able to ever watch the whole thing in the UK because we've never been able to watch Jesus Christ Superstar, which is Jesus a shame. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's lots of clips on Twitter and probably on YouTube. And... Give it a go. See what you think. If you like Rent more than Abby, maybe you'll enjoy it. Rent Live. It was better than the film. <gasps> maybe. No, the film don't. Anyway, on anyway. to the main topic of this week's podcast. It's nearly Valentine's Day. Hooray. And last year for Valentine's Day, we did an episode about our favourite love songs and musicals. So we thought we'd sort of repeat that idea. But instead, with a musical that is about love about love in a very sort of half honest half way. bleak honest way so we're going to talk about the last five years a jason robert brown musical maybe my favorite jason robert brown musical i would say it is my favorite i thought parade might be your favorite i think parade is my favorite but i do really like the last five years so if you don't know the last five years is about two characters jamie and kathy and it tracks their relationship sort of in both chronological and reverse chronological order so it starts with kathy singing a song about the fact that she's just been broken up with and so you realize from the very beginning that this is not going to go very well 
And then from Jamie's perspective, it tells the story in chronological order. So it starts with their first date and then goes through, obviously, to their marriage and then to the dissolution of their relationship. And from Kathy's perspective, it starts very bleak and then gets happier as it goes through and ends with her saying about their first date, which sort of makes everything much more depressing <laughs> because, like, Kathy's songs in the first half are so bleak because it's, like, just really, really sad what happens. But then Kathy's songs in the second half are really, really bleak because she's so happy and optimistic and it's like, no, it's going to go so badly and he's cheating on you. It's just awful. <laughs> So the whole thing, even when you want to be enjoying the songs, you're like, this is all just so sad because you know from the very beginning, like the first line of the show, that it's going to end. Firstly, The Last Five Years, written by Jason Robert Brown, inspired by his failed, obviously, first marriage. And she actually filed a lawsuit against him during the show's first run because the settlement of their divorce prevented him from actually writing about many aspects of their relationship so from that i think you can assume that it's quite true to life so the show premiered in chicago in 2001 um did very well there which is obviously how his ex-wife found out about it and in that version of the show kathy was an irish woman specifically who was an actress who was struggling irish catholic right think so yeah Mm. just like his ex-wife so in order to to kind of appease her i guess Mm. following the lawsuit which delayed the off-Broadway production, which was the following year, because um, they were trying to de-realityify it. Beautiful words. Thanks. So basically, the main difference is that as a song, I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You, which is a line in the show. Mm. That whole song was changed to Shiksa Goddess, which kind of... And again, if you look at those two, and there are... You can still hear I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You. There's versions of it online. So you can compare these two songs. They're very similar. There's sure very similar are. ideas. But it's basically Shiksa Goddess is just, you're not Jewish rather than you are specifically Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. It's not about my ex-wife. Yeah. You're just a generic non-Jew. <laughs> I was reading a few articles um, from the time about it. So mm. kind of Playbill articles from 2001 and New York yeah. Times articles from the time. Um, and they talked about her, about Kathy being switched from an actress to a singer. But I feel like she's still very much an actress. She's like, a she's theater aud- actress. She's auditioning... She's in. She's in West Side Story. Like it's an. She's an actress. She's an actress. So I think maybe they um, compromised on that one. Maybe she just. Or maybe his. Maybe she got a settlement and was like, "Do you know what? That's enough. Yeah, I've got the money." Obviously, um, Jason Robert Brown says it's not really about them, or he says it's not strictly autobiographical. Uh, Those are his words. Um, Is that him just being like the rest of it is true, but I obviously didn't cheat on her? Yeah. But everything else is true. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, he was just talking about a generic relationship falling apart and he spoke about maybe it was kind of writing it maybe helped him to come to terms with what was going on in his own life. And so it wasn't the aim of the piece for it to sound very much like him and his ex-wife, whose marriage didn't last very long. But it was kind of natural. And I kind of feel like I, you know, sure she has a right to say like, you're not allowed to write about our relationship. But I feel like by trying to get him to stop this show... Otherwise, we would have just been like, oh, it's just relationship breakdown. He's but just written she... about a couple. Yeah, and then she's like, uh, she's like, you can't write you. this about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, like, you've made okay. it worse there, yeah. love. Yeah. Because obviously, writers are going to write about, it's going to be some level write of their experiences you know. coming into it. Yeah. So um, this is the story that he had to tell at that time. I believe he has found love elsewhere afterwards, and I hope he's very happy. And I hope she's very happy. But Kathy and Jamie, Jamie, not so happy. An interesting thing about the fact that it's told from J- 
Jamie's perspective backwards and Callie's perspective forwards is that it sort of mirrors their characters I think in a way um Jamie sings about like needing someone to love and sort of barreling in head first and I think that really shows in like his early songs that he's sort of like one of his songs is literally called moving too fast that he's just sort of like jumped straight into it whereas she is much more neurotic and it's sort of like looking back and unpicking the relationship and where things went wrong although I think like even just like the wording used there so that she's much more neurotic because she's not because the first thing you or her second song so her first song is like a ballad about how it's sad that yes. the whole relationship has fallen apart yeah but then her second song part of it is kind of one side of an argument they're having so it's as their relationship is in the breakdown stage and mm. she's performing out of town he comes to visit her and then basically says that he needs to leave even though it's her birthday and he's a real dick but you only see her side of the argument which i think is a really interesting thing the fact that because they're only ever on stage on their own it's like a, a show of all solos no dialogue oh, yeah. they only meet right in, in the middle, middle when they get married the fact that when kathy's having an argument with jamie you only see her side of it so you're kind of forced to imagine what the other side of the argument yeah. was but the other side of the argument you can hear is that because at one point she says no no that's exactly what you're doing so yeah. it's like you know you can definitely fill in those gaps because they're arguments that you've heard all the time yeah. that you know yourself yeah but so she comes across as neurotic because at the beginning mm. she's kind of making these accusations about Jamie like yeah. oh you're going to be with these people and don't pretend yes. that I don't know what you're doing yes and then it turns out he's doing exactly what she <laughs> thinks he is. he's going to these parties to sleep with other women yep and that's why you know and it's like yes. I mean massive spoiler alert but you know I feel like this is a sort of show where because you know it. at the beginning that the relationship's breaking down yeah it's, it's more not. the I think it's the art of the piece rather than it being like a storyline heavy show mm. it's interesting that kathy is painted slightly neurotically and slightly like crazy yeah, like slightly in, crazy neurotic woman i think insecure is the main thing she is justified but like she's she is paranoid but she is justified to be yeah. but i think the main not problem but like the main there's a lot of debate about like who was responsible for the breakdown of this relationship yeah, it's, jamie. it's jamie but a <laughs> lot of a lot of no the people who are jamie. on his side kind of come back to the fact that she is so insecure that it makes him feel like he can't have any success and i do kind of I mean, obviously, Jamie is at fault because Jamie cheated and Jamie, you know, stopped caring about going to see her plays and stopped, I think, caring about the relationship. At Jamie some point. stopped as soon as they got married, Karen. Yeah. And but even I, kind of before then. I do think that there were times where he really did try. Like, I think If I Didn't Believe in You, which is one of my favourite songs, yep. I think in that, even though it's got like a really brutal line in it, which is like, he's like, I'm not going to make myself less just so that you can feel better about yourself. I think that must have been a real struggle because it's not his fault that he's got very successful. It is his fault how he dealt with that success. If you haven't seen the show, but you have seen La La Land, basically the argument that they <laughs> yes, have over yeah. dinner when Ryan Gosling is on tour is exactly the argument yeah. in that song. Yeah, it literally is. But I think her kind of insecurities and the lack of success that she felt she'd had in her career made it really difficult for him to be with her and he is at fault but i think that part of it like she acted in a way that she made it harder for him yeah i would agree with that i do think he loses himself in his success though. he absolutely completely. does yeah so he definitely as soon as it's sort of part so basically he gets a book deal really early on he's a very he's suddenly like one of the next american voices in literature mm. and you know she's just a regular gal in her 20s just trying to make it through mm. not doing particularly badly but not you know not having this the massive is, yeah. yeah career um extravagant she's not where she wants to be in her acting career yeah which is frustrating and i think for him he gets too lost in that world to understand her frustration yeah. i think that's just a real life thing like 
I think that would be the case even if he weren't as kind of astronomically successful as he is. Like that's always going to be a thing with people and where they are in life. Yes. Like if people people can start off in the same place and then very quickly not be in the same yeah. place and your life just doesn't... And you have to keep coming back to each other. Up. I, I think obviously it's very well written in that both of the characters are very flawed or, you know, yes, to some level but of but also very realistic. I very think. realistic. Jamie 100% is a believable character mm. who I would hate. Um, <laughs> but who you would be kind of intrigued by. Like, he's very engaging. Mm. He's, he's very much someone... He's very you successful. Would, yeah. He's very charming. Yeah, you would immediately kind of be drawn to him in a way you might not by Kathy because she's a bit more withdrawn. A bit more reserved. But he is a dick. He treats women <laughs> like objects. Yep. He is a smug bastard. Yep. For me, Kathy is is kind of insecure but he just doesn't he he never there are moments where he's raising her up but he is just like he's very egotistical and so it's very hard for him to understand where kathy's coming from mm-hmm. when she is struggling or when she doesn't want to do things he wants to force her yes to do it and yeah i think for it, me the worst the song that makes jamie unforgivable is his first song after they get married where his whole song is how people say that when you get married, every woman wants to sleep with you, but it's not true. It's only the ones that, you know, are kind of incredibly hot. And it's not my fault. Like, I'm a victim in all this. All these women try and come up to sleep with me and all oh, my wife is so jealous because she blah, blah, blah. And then a pair of breasts walked by and and I'm like, I'm sorry, what, what now? A human female? A human female walked with her. <laughs> with feelings and emotions. With, oh, I think that song is the one. And then, yeah, like he has a full-blown affair and they've only been married. Probably and more like, than I'm just one like, oh, full-blown for affair. sure more than one. And you're just like, if at that point you still think it's Kathy's fault because she's out of town working hard trying to achieve her dream while Jamie keeps kind of... Because I think at first he's like, oh, isn't this fun? We're all kind of, you know, we're striving for things. Like as soon, just after they get married and she's, you know, struggling a little bit, he's like, oh, but she'll get there. And as soon as she doesn't get there straight away, he's like, oh, I'm bored of this. I'm bored of waiting <laughs> bored for her of waiting to be successful. For you to it's been there. a year. Why aren't you famous yet? <laughs> Can't deal with this shit. Let's, but, let's oh, talk Jamie. about... Actually, it's interesting because the fact that it is sort of autobiographical, semi-autobiographical, you'd think that he would have gone further to try and make... Jamie more likeable. Yeah, Jamie more likeable and Kathy look more like the bad guy, but it just really is not that way. Anyway, let's talk about the songs. I personally think Kathy's songs on the whole are much better. I much prefer listening to Kathy's songs sort of across the board. See I'm Smiling is a great song it's such a good song um a summer in ohio is really fun climbing up hill is great i can do better than that is a fantastic song still hurting is obviously the opening number very very sad i think the the strings i've written in my notes for this like the strings several times but there's like a motif all the way through which comes back a lot of times when kathy is sort of at her lowest and it's just a beautiful piece of music it's haunting you might say and very sad and they come back in like if i didn't believe in you and they come back in the last song and there's also the theme at the very beginning which is like a waltz theme that comes back in their wedding that's their wedding dance yep. and then it's also the melody for jamie's very last so- last song which is called i could never rescue you and it's just very the way that motifs come back through the show is extremely it's well so, done yeah it's so beautifully written just the whole score it just kind of seamless from start to finish <laughs> and i think I think it's like one of my favourite musicals because it's doing something really clever on stage. Not even really clever, but you know. It's, it's a cool device. Yeah, I think it's a really cool device. It's a really kind of like intelligently written mm. piece of theatre. And I think it's doing something that makes it suitable for that medium and pretty much that only, which is why I think the film just doesn't work in my opinion, really. Although I have watched it more than once. I also but, think the fact that that device 
if Kathy was on stage with Jamie while he's singing these songs to her, I think you'd you'd find him even less likable. Like the fact that he is there on his own and you see his sort of thought process forces you to sort of understand what he's singing. Whereas if Kathy was there and he was singing to her and you could like she could kind of chip in and rebut what he's saying, you'd be like, he's just Maybe, yeah. why is he doing this to her? Yeah. I mean I he's still know. awful. But it's also that thing of it it shows how like even if they were telling the linear story, both of them going forward in time, because of how his career takes off right at the beginning of the story, from that point on, they're never really moving at the same speed, mm. even when their relationship is going well. Because, you know, there are times when they are, from the outside, a really strong, solid couple. Mm. But it's just, you know, it's uh, it's that thing of because they're moving at different speeds. Is And you know it's coming to an end, but it's always kind of it's like a ticking time bomb of when it's just going to be too much, which is what it yeah. is. And the, they, the fact that they blame each other for all of their problems. Yeah. Like whether they're right or wrong. Like like it's Kathy's fault he has to have the affair, really. Because... Yeah, but he blames her for that because he's like, well, she's very, very jealous and she's yeah. very, very bitter and she's like impossible. She's yeah. become like impossible to love. And he's like, she is obviously rightfully like he is very selfish and yeah. he is like very, very happy to give other people all this time and doesn't give her any time. And they never get to a place of like, even her first song and his last one, they never come to a place of remote yeah. understanding. And I think it's all written because obviously it's five years in 14 songs, which is a lot, but it's written so well that there are these little lines, like we're saying with the arguments that you don't mm. need to hear the other side because you know the other, what the other side of that argument is. Yeah. Because it's just, it's written in such a way, like it gets right to the heart of the issue. So even like the Schmuel song is kind of Jamie making up a story and it's this fun thing of like, That's he's, a really just, he's a writer song. and he said, I love the Schmuel song. And he's kind of telling the story and then it's kind of like a parable for Kathy's life and mm. how he believes she has all this, yeah. you know, greatness within her. Even though that kind of seems like just a fun thing, there's actually no real wasted moment. Like that tells a lot in itself and there's just lines that are really cutting and there's things, you know, like even when Kathy's saying like, I can do better than that, which is quite a late song, mm. which is basically her saying like she wanted to get out of the town she grew up in. She wanted to be better yeah. than that town would allow her to be. Yeah. And it kind of hurts even more because even though at that point she's just like, I'm doing it, I'm getting out, I'm living my dream. Yeah. And then after you're like, oh, or were you so desperate to leave that that you'd go for anything and you still haven't quite made it, which is fine because they're in their 20s. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, it's all this, I don't, I just think it's just a very good show. It is a it's very just good very show. Good. But yeah, it's like even the songs that seem to not be directly about their relationship or the, you the can breakdown, still it's still take. it's all so kind of integral to the story. And it's the sort of thing that the more you listen to it, the more you hear. And I just it's just very well written. It got quite mixed reviews when it opened. I read the New York it Times did. review today and they were not they didn't really like it. Well, they were wrong. I think Can't they, be right they kind all the of time, thought they, they weren't very likable. And I was like, well, maybe they're maybe not meant the to point. be very likable. Mm. And I think that's fine. I think like, yeah, as much as I kind of think Jamie's to blame for the break, you know, Jamie's the mm. worst character. I don't think I could be married to Kathy. Uh, but that's, yep. you know. Yep. No, I agree. I just think they they weren't right for each other. They were not right for each other. And it must be, you know, difficult to be living with someone who's that successful, but plenty of people manage it. True. And um, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. We saw a product of the last five years, a few years ago now at... Uh, the St. James Theatre before it became the other palace with Samantha Barks and Jonathan Bailey and it was extremely good. I mean, Samantha Barks was incredible. Her voice is just crystal clear and would happily see her in anything. Jonathan Bailey, we weren't... I mean, I think... He didn't win me over. He didn't, but I mean, would anybody have, like... Jeremy Jordan would have done. (laughs) Jeremy Jordan. 
Every role, please. I thought he was he was fine. I mean, he has he has a nice voice, and we saw him in company and loved him. So I think I think it was the role. I think rather than him, he he didn't try to make him likable at all. No, he didn't. I think that was a choice. Choice. Um, Whereas Jeremy Jordan in the film, his version of Jamie, you can see why you'd fall in love with him. I just don't think he's meant to be likable. But you're meant to. She falls in love with him. And the Schmuel yeah. song should be charming. Should be I like, thought the oh, Schmuel song the was charming, song. though. I thought he was charming in the Schmuel song. It's hard not to be. Yeah. He was charming in the Schmuel song. No, Jeremy Jordan. Oh, Jesus. Move on. <laughs> I will never move on. So, yeah. if There were, there were quite often um, little regional productions of this, especially in the US, but we've had quite a few over here. I know Daniel yeah. Hope was in one and a it, while ago. It works really well as a very... In a so very small there, space. there were a few set pieces, but it could be a small space. It doesn't even really need a set... No, it doesn't at all. at all. And it works really well because there's enough there's definitely enough in the narration of the songs like the lyrics i would also say that there's a lot of videos on youtube of like big theater stars singing these songs cynthia so like Revo's cynthia Revo's version of i can do better than that is fantastic cassie levy's version of shiksa goddess uh, oh, yeah. miscast this year i think it was is which, really really good which I, I mean i know i'm gonna say this because i'm jewish and i feel like it's okay for me to say this <laughs> but it's yeah she's like obviously i can never be cast for that because i look so jewish i'm like do you? <laughs> I mean, her last name is Levy, but like, yeah, but come if on. I didn't know her name, I might not guess you. Like, obviously, you know, obviously, saying someone looks Jewish is problematic as well. Um, <laughs> you are the problem. We, we learned that the hard way. She <laughs> says it, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm not sure. I think you're fine. Um, so yeah, there are lots of good kind of concert versions of these songs. Cynthia Rivo and Joshua Henry did like a concert version of this, and lots of that is on YouTube. I would just recommend yeah, googling some of these songs good. on YouTube. Cynthia Rivo singing anything is good. Yeah, not a waste of your time. I feel like we should just mention in 2014 there was a film version of The Last Five Years which starred Jeremy Jordan as we've said as Jamie and Anna Kendrick as Kathy and it just I think it doesn't really work because obviously in a film you kind of want there to be there has more to be surrounding those characters yeah. and they still keep the narrative structure of Kathy telling the story backwards and Jamie's line telling it forwards but the other person's also always there mm. which just means at some point like with Jason Robert Brown they wrote in little things like in the kind of first argument that they have in the show in Kathy's song where she's kind of accusing Jamie of things that <laughs> turns out he did do and he's fighting back they had to write things and it works kind of but you're also there's other moments where he's kind of standing there awkwardly because he's like uh probably if this weren't a song that was written for just one person someone probably would have said something here probably would have done something here (laughs) yeah and like at the proposal because that's where they 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 overlap so you see either side of the wedding you see the proposal from their side so you get one half of the conversation then like the wedding which the kind of then and right at the end the only time they sing together that's Mm -hmm. the only time they sing together as the same part in the yes. t- in the kind of timeline and then you see the other half of the conversation straight away afterwards and mm. that's a bit weird in the film it's just like it works so well as a stage show because of that narrative thing which yeah. means in the film although i like i think yeah if there's no production near you watch the film you get an idea obviously the music's excellent their performances are amazing and if they are inside they're recording their vocals live so like the schmall song is very clearly and that if i didn't believe in you mm. that is and still hurting those are all recorded that's live audio lame style but actually good um <laughs> and it's only when they're outside they're using pre-recorded stuff when they can't control yeah. all the sound around them so it's kind of worth a watch but i would say like I would advise that people hold off until they can see it on stage, even mm. though I think Anna Kendrick's an amazing Kathy because you kind of automatically like her. Yeah. 
and Jeremy Jordan's a very likable Jamie until he's a very not likable Jamie. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I have such mixed feelings about it. I, I listened to the film version of the cast recording a lot more than I listened to the original cast recording. Mm. Whereas I only but, ever listened to the original cast yeah. recording because I like Norbert Leobutz a lot. But is he as good as Jeremy Jordan? Yes. And to be fair, like the Jeremy Jordan... Yes, he is. While, while we're joking about Jeremy Jordan being whatever, the anger in his if i didn't believe in you like the norbert leo butts version is just in my opinion it's not as emotive whereas jeremy jordan you oh, feel like he's emotive you. but i don't feel like it's meant to be a super angry song i feel like that's his last but his last attempt at but being the like, anger's Look. bubbling under there the whole time and with jeremy jordan's version you can hear at every point the anger is bubbling just under the surface and then he snaps because that's the thing, he's he want, he's being nice to her, not because he's being nice to her in that situation for the kindness of his heart. He's being nice to her because he wants her to come with him to a party. Just the sort of party that she doesn't want to go to because he's going just to schmooze with these important people. Mm. And he wants her there as like a bit of arm candy, not for her. And definitely not because she wants to go because she very much doesn't want to go. And he's only being nice to her for that reason. And then he snaps. And like, we've been there. We've all been there. I'm not not I that think badly. He, but... I think he genuinely means what he's saying now. I don't think he's like... I think he means what he's saying in that he and so I think believes that or he definitely I think he doesn't he definitely have to be angry all point. the way through. I don't think it has to be a super angry. Like, no, it's like it has to be coming at it from angry base. Like it's it's a really nice, it's a beautiful song. Like it's like a nice. Until and then he snaps at the end yeah. because. But she's I think like he's not slightly annoyed the whole way through. That he's saying. Well, he's slightly annoyed the whole way through the show, isn't he? Well, Even like moving too fast, he's sort of like what i'm actually no, doing he's like this is great i'm moving too f- like this is not how it's meant Meh. to be i'm moving i'm so good at what i do that i'm moving too fast for me to even be able to cope with how great i am God, i haven't even song. finished what? my book and people fucking want it already <laughs> i am the best author since steinbeck that's the last five years there's so much it's a short show but it has a lot so much in it it's a good show Go because, listen to it yeah it's very good because you can listen to the entire thing there's no dialogue yeah. so you get the whole experience by listening to it yeah um Just sit in a slightly so dark room it's on spotify go and cry somewhere and listen to it and then check out more jason robert brown he has some other great shows parade is a great show songs for a new world i've never actually listened to the bridges in madison county but 13 has some great songs 13 that's what it means you can watch some great videos of a, a young ariana grande in 13 yes you can you can go ahead and do that jason robert brown is good this show is good love hooray okay. question mark <laughs> thank you very much for listening happy valentine's day happy valentine's um, day kids. enjoy it if you're celebrating it just and if not get have a shit through day. it just get through it if you're not have it you know what enjoy it enjoy have it fun. anyway go and have a get nice a meal treat yourself yeah wait till the 15th and buy a load of cheap chocolate thank you very much for listening we will see you in two weeks bye bye